Well, hello, friends. If I haven't met you before, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ the King, and I'm excited to be with you this Palm Sunday. Uh, if you're new and you don't know what Palm Sunday is, or maybe you're old and you don't know what Palm Sunday is, it is simply the Sunday before Easter, and it's uh, the day that we actually get to celebrate and remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And they call it Palm Sunday because Jesus was actually met by a crowd of people holding palm branches, which is a sign of his, a sign of honor to a king. And they were saying Hosanna, which means save us. And so we are on the road to Easter. We are a week away from Easter. We are looking forward to Easter. We are inviting people to Easter. We're excited to celebrate and sing and lift up the name of Jesus. Is anybody excited for Easter next week? But... But, but, but oftentimes we get so excited about Easter that we forget that the power of Easter is actually available to us today and, and tomorrow and the two days after that and the week after that and the week after that. We look so forward to Easter that we forget that we are actually living as Christians and as a church in a post-Easter era. So we have full access to God's resurrection power today. Today. And so today I actually want to talk to you about power and that there is one power but before we actually get to the power i want to talk about expectation and i want to start it with one simple question and it's this what were you expecting when you came into church today what were you expecting maybe you're online what were you expecting when you tuned tuned into the service today Hey, I'm not talking about like what songs did you think that we were going to sing or what stories were we going to share. What I'm talking about is what were you expecting God to do in your life today? Like what were you hoping for when you came to be gathered with the body of believers today? Because I don't know if you know this, but what we expect actually dictates what we experience. I don't know if you know this, but what we ask for actually shapes the things that we get, and what we look for determines the things that we find. And here's why I think that matters. The church doesn't just stumble its way into revival. It actually prays, and it hopes, and it worships, and it prepares, and it has an expectancy for what it cannot yet see. Like the ground for revival is actually laid through expectation. And in the same way, when you're, or for you as an individual, we don't just stumble into the life change that we're hoping for. That's not how this thing works. It actually happens when we pray and when we work and when we hope and when we dream and when we're eager and when we stir up in ourselves and the people around us a hunger for change that's bigger than the pain of staying the same and we actually take new ground. It is actually laid, the groundwork of life change is actually expectancy. So friends, we need to expect so much out of our God because our God is the God of abundantly more. Our God is a God who goes above and beyond. And I was reading this week in Acts chapter 3, and there's this story, maybe you've heard it, of this man who couldn't walk since he was born. And so every day he would sit at the temple gates and beg for money. And one day the disciple Peter was walking by the man, and the man asked him for money. And Peter said, money I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ walk. And the man walks. And I've always thought this story was interesting because the man never actually asked to be healed. He was just looking for change. 
And if you're not careful, this is what we can fall into the longer that we're waiting for something. Sometimes the lower our expectations of God become. And if we have low expectations of God, we start to forget that the true power of God is to heal and to restore and to bless and to provide. And friends, I'm here to say some of you need to increase your expectation this morning. Some of you need to remember the dreams that you used to dream and the prayers that you used to pray. Some of you came to church today looking for pocket change and God actually wants to change your life. God wants to heal you holistically. He wants to heal you physically. He wants to repair your marriage. He wants to do things. And maybe you're coming in just thinking today's another day, but this is the day that God actually wants breakthrough for you. Friends, don't forget that the scripture says to him who was able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. So I need you to hear that our God is the, not the God of good enough. Our God is not the God of average. Our God is not the God of almost. He is the God of immeasurably more. And I was thinking this week about this scene in the movie, The Incredibles. I don't know if you've seen it. It is, it is incredible. It really is. But there's this scene where there's this little kid and he's on a tricycle and he's just, he's just sitting there watching, waiting for something to happen. And Mr. Incredible is sitting there. He says, what are you waiting for, kid? And the kid says, something incredible, I guess. And so I guess my question is, are you expecting God to do something incredible in your life today? Because what you expect actually dictates what you experience. And we're in the middle of this series where we're talking about what makes God unique and different and holy and worthy to be praised. And we're saying there is one who sees you. There is one who loves you. There is one who knows you. And there is one who is caring for you and guiding you in ways that you will never know. And today I want to add to that conversation and say there is one power that can change the odds in every battle that you ever march into. There is one power that is bigger and better and more potent than you will ever know. And the good news today is that if you are in Christ Jesus, that power is yours. But before we get to the power, I want to start with our posture. And I actually want to pray for us that we would increase our faith, that we would increase our expectation. Because sometimes it's not that God doesn't have enough power, it's that we don't have enough expectancy to hold and to wield and to reflect that power to the world. And so if you feel comfortable, I actually want us to, to hold our hands up like this. And uh, so if you would do that, we're just going to pray, God, would you like, actually invite us to receive that which you have today? So if you're comfortable, would you hold your hands out like this? Holy Spirit, God, your power is beyond anything we could ever comprehend. God, your love for us is unique in ways that we will never know. God, your influence over our lives, God, your, your pursuit of us is unfathomable. So Jesus, would you just give us a small glimpse of that today? God, we ask that you would increase our capacity to receive that which you have. God, would you increase our expectation because God, we know that your power is unlimited, but Jesus, we actually want to do our best to be saturated in it to the fullest extent that we can. So God, no matter how we woke up this morning, whether we're having a good day or a bad day or something in between, Jesus, in this moment, would you cleanse our palate and would you increase our expectation? Would you increase our faith so that we can hold more of what you have for us today? God, I believe so oftentimes we cripple what you want to do because we don't expect enough. And so, Jesus, we expect much and we know that you're, even in our expectations, you're the God of exceedingly more. 
immeasurably more, abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. So God, would you show us how to ask for much and would you still exceed that? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, friends. So today's message is called, There is One Power. There is one power. And I actually want us to declare that together. So if you're sitting next to somebody, go ahead and look at them. Say, there is one power. There is one power. Great job, folks. That was really encouraging stuff. I wonder, have you ever been in a situation where you just felt like, I can't do this? I cannot do this. Maybe it was a work thing. Maybe it was a relationship thing. Maybe it was a deadline that you were up against. Maybe it was an addiction. Or maybe it was all those things rolled into one moment that was just too heavy for you. And you were just sitting there in the middle of it. And you were just thinking, I cannot do this. Maybe that's where you're at right now. You know, so oftentimes I think this is our narrative. This is the story that we tell about ourselves. It's dominated by these words, I can't. I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. This is just too much for me. I can't handle it. And if I'm being really honest, this is kind of what I was feeling this week. I felt like I can't do this. I was feeling like this is too much. There's too many projects. There's too many stressors. There's too many details. There's too many tears. There's too many expectations. There's too many needs. There are too many balls in the air right now, and something is going to drop. Like, I literally can't do this. Something has got to give. I wonder if you've ever been there. Yeah, I don't know about you, but when I was, or when I get myself into a situation where I'm com feeling completely overwhelmed, the first thing that I do is unequivocally and completely deny it. I have a favorite word that I use when I'm overwhelmed, and that word is fine. Say, I'm fine, it's fine, I'm good, it's good, and then I just keep putting one foot in front of the other, even though it slowly feels like I'm sinking, and this week I felt like I was sinking and people were trying to help, but I kept denying that I needed help, so more and more I was just filled with dread. And friends, I know what you're thinking, but no, it wasn't just the fact that Russell Wilson got traded to the Broncos. <laughs> That was a part of it, and I'm still grieving, but me and God are working through it. So it's not just that. That's not what this was about. This was a little bit deeper. This was me trying as hard as I could to be all the places I needed to be and feeling like no matter how much I tried, I was still falling short of my own expectations that I had for myself as a husband and a father and a pastor and a friend and even a follower of God. And I was stressed and I was anxious and I was overwhelmed and I got to this point, literally driving home from, uh, from work and I was in the car and I started talking to God about this out loud in my car like a crazy person. I said, God, I can't do this. I said, God, I am so tired. I said, this is too much for me. I feel like I'm stretched too thin. And if I'm being really honest, I feel like I'm failing which is the hardest thing of all for me to say, I feel like I'm failing. And the moment that I started talking to God was the moment where I started remembering how big God is. And the moment I started talking to God was the moment that I realized how much I was trying to do on my own. And the moment I started talking to God was the moment that I remembered that all the things that are stressing me out aren't stressing him out. And the moment I started talking to God was the moment that I realized that all the things that made me overwhelmed and all the things that made me feel out of control are very much inside of God's control. And the moment I started talking to him was the moment that I realized all the things that felt exceptionally heavy on my back felt light in his hand. 
And, and don't get it twisted. That didn't make everything disappear, but there was something about bringing it before God that actually increased the peace that I was feeling in that moment. Because I don't know what you know about Jesus. That's who I was talking to in that moment. But in Colossians 1, it says, He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all of creation. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things are being held together. He's the head of the body. He's the beginning and the end, the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. So if you're in the middle of a situation right now that feels completely impossible to you, and you're telling yourself, I can't, I can promise you this, Jesus is saying, I can't. God is saying, I can, and not only I can, but I will. Not only I can, I have been doing, and I will continue to do because that is who I am. You know, I'd argue that those words, I can't, aren't actually bad words. They're great words because they remind us that we're human and they remind us that we have limits. We are not infinite. We are very much finite beings. In fact, I hope I can't is actually one of the primary reasons why you're in church this morning. Because we've all collectively come to understand that we can't do this on our own, but we worship a God who can. Amen? Amen. Matthew 5, verse 2 in the message says, You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Because listen to this. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. Friends, today God isn't trying to convince you that you can do more. He's actually trying to get you to remember that he can do more. More. So if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling discouraged and defeated, and if you're tired of pretending to be stronger than you really are, I've got good news for you. This story isn't about your power. It's about God's power. And in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, we see Paul praying, to, or, pre, yeah, praying for the church in Ephesus, and he's writing them, reminding them of the incredible things that he has done in their life because they're struggling to actually live it out in the way that they want to. And starting in verse 18, Paul says this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would know the hope to which you've been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Say that again. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. So, so we're going to celebrate resurrection power, but again, this is the power that you have access to today. And I love these verses. I love this prayer. There's so much wisdom that we could glean. There's so many things that we could take. But what I want to do is focus on three specific ideas that Paul actually wants the reader um, to actually pull out of this. He's inviting them to see more clearly three different things. And it's important for us to remember this isn't just Paul's prayer to the church of Ephesus. This is actually God's heart for you. And so there's three ideas I want to show us. The first out of the scripture that Paul really wants you to know is you've been called to hope. He's, I, he says, I pray that your eyes or the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he's called you. So what does that mean? It means that if you are in Christ, hope isn't just something that you have access to. It is your birthright. 
It means if you are in Christ, you have the right to find joy no matter what your present circumstance might look like. And you have the right to anchor yourself to hope regardless of what you see on the news and regardless of what's in your news feed and regardless of the battles that you might be facing. You have the right to cling to hope even in the middle of the story because you know the end of the story. Amen? There is one power that changes the odds in every battle we face, and it is the power of Christ in your corner. Paul is saying, I want your hearts to be enlightened. He's saying, I want you to see more clearly. I want you to have more strength. Why? So that you could know how deeply, or that you could know deeply that you have hope, because even in the moments where you can't, God can. The second thing he wants you to see is his glorious inheritance is you. And it's interesting because I've heard a lot of people talk about how we have a glorious inheritance in God, but I've never heard anybody talk about the fact that it says that God has a glorious inheritance in us. And if you look at the scripture, it's not talking about our inheritance. I'm sure if you've been in church for any number of years, you have heard about the inheritance that we have in Christ, but that's not what it's talking about. It says that God has a glorious inheritance and his glorious inheritance is wait for it you. It's his holy people. The God of everything, who created everything that ever was or ever will be, has a glorious inheritance. His prized possession, the thing he most looks forward to spending eternity with is his people. To make it more specific, you. And right now, I want you to know this moment isn't about me trying to persuade you to believe what I believe. It's not about me trying to get you to think what I think or act the way that I act. This moment is for you, and all that I want in it is for you to know that you have infinite value to God. You are so important. Your life is so significant. You are seen and you are heard and you are loved. There is a human maker and everything that he makes has intrinsic beauty and value. And I believe that he made you. And Paul's saying, I want your eyes to be opened so that you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you have incredible value to God. And whatever you think about God doesn't change the way that God thinks about you. He is crazy for you. There's nothing you have to put on. There's nothing you have to pretend God is in love with you. You have incredible value to the creator of the cosmos. Elohim, the almighty one, knows you, loves you, cares for you. You have value. Again, this is what Paul's trying to get his church to know that would actually move them towards the power of God. The third idea is this, his power is for you. He says, the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realm. So you've been given access to God's power. If you're in Christ, you have access to God's power. And here's what you need to know about God's power, friends. Excuse me as I get a little excited here for a second. It's the kind of power that makes dead things walk again. It's the kind of power that can resurrect your old dreams and breathe new life into them. It's the kind of power that can take a Lunchable and turn it into a meal for 5,000. It's the kind of power that can walk on water. It's the kind of power that can heal the sick and give sight to the blind. It's the kind of power that can break any chain at any moment for any reason. It's the kind of power that can save any soul at any time, regardless of what they've done. There is one power that can save, and you don't have to wait until Easter. I want you to know it's accessible to you, and it is available to you right now, right here, as you sit, wherever you are. The power of God is there for you.
Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you are in Christ, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is alive in you today, right now, as you sit or as you stand. And for some of you, you're thinking, yes, yes, I get it. That is so good. I can see that power and how God's used it in my life. And you're excited, you're saying, yes, God's power is in me. But for others of you, it creates a real question and a real tension in your spirit. And I think the question that needs to be asked is this, is, is this if the power of God is in me, then why do I feel so powerless? Anybody, if the power of God is in me, then why do I still feel so broken? If the power that raised Christ from the dead is in me, then why do I still feel like a pawn in somebody else's game? And I've been trying to think about how to express this to you, and this is the best idea that I had. And so would you raise your hand if you own a cell phone? Okay, some of you are liars. I want all of them up there. So all of them, all hands in the air, please. And uh, keep them up, keep them up. And how many of you are actively using your cell phone right now? Okay, shame on you unless it's notes. But <laughs> what, what I'm trying to show you is that you can have something and not actively be using it. What I'm trying to show you is you can have something in your pocket but not be accessing the fullness of its potential. You can own something and not be living in it. And you can actually have something and not be tapping into it in the fullest extent. So here's what I need you to know. God's power is in you. Scripture says God's power is in you. But the reality is some of us haven't activated it to its fullest potential in our lives. And I want to spend the rest of our time together talking about two reasons why I think that is. The first reason simple. We don't really know what God's power is for. Like we know that there's power, we know that God has given us power, but what is that power actually supposed to do? And here's three quick thoughts just for your consideration. His power is not to make you comfortable, it's to build his kingdom. Second thought, his power is not to make you wealthy, it's to make you rich in spirit. Third idea, his power isn't just to make you happy in every second of every day. It's actually to give you joy that you can access no matter what your circumstances look like or what you see. It's a deep-seated joy. So if you're sitting here praying prayers, wondering why God's not working, maybe it's not that God's not working. Maybe it's that your prayers aren't in alignment with his will for your life. Here's what I mean. Are you praying towards the things that matter to God, or are you just praying towards the things that matter to you in the moment? Because, friends, if you're consumed with your life and your comfort and your opinions, then you're putting yourself at a huge disadvantage without even knowing it when it comes to seeing and experiencing the power of God. And don't get it wrong. God cares about every single thing that you bring before him. That's one of the coolest things about God. He will listen to all of it. He cares about the small stuff, the minutia. He cares about the nuance. He cares if you feel slighted by a friend. He cares if you feel overwhelmed. He, feel, he cares if you feel stressed. And yet, if you want to put yourself in a position to experience the power of God, here's my encouragement to you today. Start by praying for the things that matter most to God. 
Start by praying for the things that matter most to God. Start by praying that your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus would come to know Jesus. Start praying for opportunities to love people in a way that matters to them and matters to God. Start praying for revival. Start praying for change to be broken in your life and the life of the people that you love. Start praying for God to increase your expectation so that you can hold more of the power that God says is rightfully for you. Because if we start praying those kind of prayers earnestly and honestly, I promise you, you are going to see God's power in a way that you never have before. Because those prayers don't just change the desires of your heart. They don't just change the world around you. They actually affect the world in you. So if you are feeling powerless, start praying for the things that move God's heart the most. And I promise you, you will see God's power move. What are your prayers actually in the direction of? The second reason we aren't experiencing all of God's power is, is really simple, friends. It's really simple. We, as a collection of people, I know I can speak for myself, we don't like asking for help. We do not like asking. We know that we can't, but we're sometimes too proud to ask the one who can. We're too busy pretending to be fine to admit that we're actually not fine, we're not good, we're not okay, we're not feeling particularly strong right now, and even though we're putting on a brave face and acting like everything's okay, if we actually search in our heart of hearts, we know that that's not really true, and we need God's help, but instead of asking for God's help, we try and fix it on our own because we want to be strong. And if that's you and you're feeling like, man, I've got all this stuff right now and I am not where I want to be. I just want to say welcome to the club. Welcome to Christ the King. We are not here because we're perfect. We're here because we need help. And we're here because we can't, but we know who can. But here's the one thing I want you to see because I think this is where a lot of us get stuck. There is a very real difference between acknowledging a problem and asking for help with a problem. There is a very big difference between saying that there's a problem and asking for help. And I think a lot of us are really great at saying the words, I can't. But if you're anything like me, you need to be reminded from time to time that that's not the way to access the power of God. The way to access the power of God is to say, I can't, and follow it up with, but God, I know you can. And then following that up with, and I need your help, like now. God, I need your provision. God, I need your healing. God, I need your protection. God, I need your power. God, I need your peace because I cannot do this on my own. Anybody in here want to admit right now that I need God's help? That is why I'm here because I can't, but I know the one who can. And so I'm not just going to sit here and put on a brave face. I'm going to lift my hands up and say, God, I need you so that you can actually fill me with what I need to move forward. Because I can't break chains on my own, but I know that you're a chain breaker. I can't do the things that I've been called to do, but I need your power. I need your spirit to guide me and embolden me. And here's why it's so important to actually admit that. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. He says, will you ask? Friends, God can read your thoughts, but he wants you to use your words and ask. He's not going to barge in. He wants you like a good parent who's just sitting there. And he actually wants you to invite them in to help. Instead of saying, I'm fine, I think we need to get more comfortable saying, I am not fine. We think I'm fine, I'm good, I'm strong is actually the strong position in God's economy, but it's not. 
We're actually strong when we admit that we need help. So I need you to know, we need to get more comfortable saying, I'm fine. Some of us need to actually get into a place saying, you know what, I know that my marriage looks great on Instagram, but I'm bringing it before God and saying, you know what, we actually need some real healing and some real restoration that it's actually gonna happen. That's not gonna come from us, it's gonna come from you. Some of you are struggling with depression and your Instagram, again, is just looking like, wow, they're on another trip, this looks great. But in your heart of hearts, you know that you were just feeling empty and broken and you need to bring it before God and say, you know what? I am not okay. I am struggling. I am lonely. And God, most importantly, I need your help now. God, I need your help. For some of you, the only thing standing in the way of you and the power of God is your inability to ask him for help. And he's inviting you today to ask It is never too late to do the right thing. God is saying right now is a new opportunity for you to ask, to be vulnerable, to be specific, to say, God, I know I've put on a brave face, but I'm not feeling particularly brave. I need your help now. And the most incredible thing happens in 2 Corinthians 12. This is one of my favorite passages. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. It says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You think that you're, you're, you're in a position of strength because you're trying to be strong, but it actually says his power is made perfect in weakness. So it's in our brokenness that God can show his true strength. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardship and persecution and difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong. It's not when I put on a strong face, I am strong. That's actually getting in the way of you accessing the power of the one God. For when we are weak, we are strong. God says, I'm not impressed by your strength. I'm not impressed by who you're pretending to be. I'm impressed by who you are because who you are is who I made and who I made is who I want to use. So if you want to see God use, if you want to see God's power move through your life, then stop trying so hard to be strong and actually start being who God created you to be. Stop looking inward for strength and trying to muster up more courage on your own and start looking upwards for strength because oftentimes when we look inwards, we miss out on the most powerful tool that we have at our disposal, which is the power of God in our lives. God, right now, no matter what situation you are facing that you are saying, I can't. God is saying, right now, I am here. I am ready. I am willing. I am able. I am all these things and more, and all you have to do is invite me in. Ask, seek, knock, and the door will be open to you. I'm telling you, friends, God does not want to give you pennies. He wants to give you life change. He wants to give you real healing. He wants to actually speak into the things that matter most to you that you have been dealing with for so long that you have forgotten that that's even a possibility. He wants to awaken those in us. All we have to do is ask. So I want to actually close by praying for us and inviting God into that space with us. Holy Spirit, in this moment, God, just give us, give us a deeper understanding of our need for you. And God, give us a boldness. Give us conviction. God, give us the ability to move past our natural tendency, which is to say we're fine. And God, actually be bold in such a way that invites you in and say, you know what? I am not strong. I am weak, but I know that you're strong. 
And so, God, would you, in this moment, would you move in power? God, in each one of our hearts, would you give us the boldness to invite you in in new ways? Because we want to access more of your healing power. And we want that to be evidence of your goodness. God, not our strength, your glory, not our story, but your story moving forward. So, Jesus, we pray that you would reveal to us our weakness once again in such a way that we say, God, we can't do this, but we know who can. It's you. God, we need your help now. Okay, would that not be an idea that lives up in the clouds? Would that be something that we actually walk out of here with? Being more aware of our humanity and more aware of your glory. Give us the confidence to ask because we know that when we ask, God, you will give. So, Lord, we love you. This is all for you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.